0: I wouldn't say experience, but I guess if you were speaking to a, a young black uh, person or woman uh, right now, having that thought process in mind, can you talk to us a bit more how it's been for you working your way up and maybe some of the things you feel you've specifically need to do to, I guess, get you where you are today? So, come to World Finance, the podcast talking about all things finance and finance related. It's your boy, Peter, and I'm with my co-host, my brother, Jack. Jax, how are you, bro?
1: I am great, mate. Uh, we're very close to Christmas now. Um, I've still not bought my gifts. I've still not bought your gift, so.
0: <laughs> and and <laughs> that's the important thing, bro, man. Not your gift. I really need to know what you're getting me, man. Seriously. As
1: I said, you, you find out. You find out when we meet.
0: <laughs> you know, for our listeners, man, we'll let you know. We'll let them know what kind of person you are based on the gift you give me. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to it, man. Um, hopefully you are well. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm
1: good. I'm um, just, as I said, I'm just kind of looking forward to the end of the year. Um, even though, you know, in reality, nothing really changes, I think the psychology of just putting some things in 2020 behind us and moving forward into 2021, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Tell me about it. I mean, we need to do a, a, an episode just around uh, 2021 goals, man, and how to get. Uh, things like personal finance and in, in order for 2021 so definitely hopefully we can do that in due time as well um, for our listeners a massive welcome thank you very much for tuning in we do appreciate you wherever you are in the world please do make sure you like subscribe and share share whatever you hear today if you think it's of value so just a massive welcome and today we do have a special guest with us who's um, also joined us virtually uh, virtually, um, she's not even in the country with us. She's all the way over in Dubai, but she's taken time to join us. So we're going to welcome our guest today um, for today's topic. Lizzie, are you there?
2: Hello, I am. Hi.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? How are you? How's First of all, why are you in Dubai?
2: <laughs> I, do you know what? 2020 has been the ghetto, the absolute ghetto. So I had to just get out and enjoy the last bit. So... I'm just having fun, living my best life in Dubai. Um, I'm actually coming home tomorrow, so yeah, my last night.
0: Nice one, definitely jealous over here, uh, really jealous. But I guess, um, how's 2020 been for you? Um, how you been coping? Um, yeah, how's 2020 been for you in this unusual times?
2: Um, so for me, outside of the whole pandemic, it's actually been quite a good year in terms of personal development and my career. Um, I got a promotion and a pay rise this year. Um, I also passed two exams. So personally, it's been a good year, but it's quite hard to celebrate that outside of, you know, what's going on with the world, like mm. the people around. And so it's been really odd. It's been quite bittersweet. Um, but I think I'll celebrate, you know, when things are back to normal and I can actually think about the things that I've achieved this year.
0: Absolutely, man. On a personal level, it sounds like a win-win. Definitely congrats on the exams promotion and and some of the other stuff. Um, It'll be good to, I guess, you know, normally when we have our guest on the show, we just want to get to... Uh, give them an opportunity to introduce themselves uh, as for me and Jazz, and of course our listeners as well and so it'd be good to tell us a bit more about who you are you know uh, where you grew up what you do and um, we'll dig a bit more deeper into your journey and some of the things that you've spoken about linking to your work as well.
2: Sure Um, so I grew up in Brixton born and raised um, although I currently live in Northwest London now um, and um, day-to-day, I'm a digital product owner for a global investment management company. Um, so in a nutshell, um, I manage the company's public-facing websites. Um, there's over 150 of them in different languages and audiences, and I work with the tech team to keep them up to date, to create new features, and you know, work on whatever the business has asked for um, for the year. So yeah, it's quite a lot of responsibility, but I do love it.
0: Wow, absolutely, and um you say you grew up in uh, Brixton Jax, obviously we, we grew up in Hackney, and um <laughs> growing up in Hackney, there was one or two places uh, for young black boys that we was we it, it was unspoken, but it was we, we had rules about places you couldn't go yeah I'm not going to, go to, to lie I'm not gonna lie to lie Lizzie, jack <laughs> Brixton was on that list
1: absolutely look I, I I had family in Brixton, and I had to Ooh. think twice whether I wanted to actually. Venture into that part of the country. <laughs> so,
2: it's okay. We can be friends now. We can be friends. <laughs>
1: we can be friends now. think things have changed. Uh, but yeah, Brickson, I, I guess you know you probably faced some of the you know uh, challenges that we may have faced growing up in a place like Hackney. Um, so yeah. it'll be good to kind of go through some of those things as well. You know, and how it's kind of maybe even shaped you to become who you are today.
2: Yeah, sure. So yeah, I grew up in a council estate. You know, typical single parent family. Um. There wasn't much around in terms of inspiration or you know career goals or aspirations And um, somehow, I managed to stay out of you know the normal Brixton kind of life and um I think I was saved by the fact that I was actually quite smart so i I wouldn't say I worked hard in school, but I got very lucky and ended up you know like in the top set um where they kind of pushed you a little bit more than the average person um, so I ended up going to uni and when I left Brixton, I think that's kind of when like my eyes were opened to like this whole new world outside of Brixton and it made me realize that she was a lot more to life um than what like my peers were doing. So yeah, I kind of just escaped <laughs> and I never looked but, back. you
1: know you what know, that's that's I mean your is quite quite similar to mine, you know. Um mine and Peter's actually so me and Peter, we went to the same school. We were both the top sets, even though we're different classes. I think my class was smarter than his class, to be honest. say so, <laughs> um, And, you know, for, for me especially, you know, going to university, I went to Loughborough University in uh, 2008, going to a place where I had no idea what the culture was like and, you know, going to a university where I didn't know anybody kind of opened my eyes to a whole new world. And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, it's not just about Hackney. It's not just about... In London, there's actually a big world out there um, with different types of people, you know. And I remember even my first few days um, just feeling a bit out of place, you know, just looking very different, dressed very different from other people in the university. It was quite interesting. What about yourself, Peter?
0: Yeah, I think that um, shock to the system when you're so used to being in a particular environment. I always say... A key moment for me in my life was when um, I was in my teens, uh, late teens, and um, a person who I look up to as a mentor took me out of um, Hackney and took me to London Bridge area. Um, it was a massive shock to my system, but that just got me to look at things in such a different way. First of all, he was working there, and it just got me to see and you know anyone even someone that looks like me can be there and it just started to change my mindset so and that's what I was experienced by the time I entered university as well and um, Lizzie you talk about I guess uh, going into university which of course was outside of um, Brixton where you was um, when, when you think of yourself as a young person at the time what was some of the influences that supported you with that decision with going to university and studying where is that you studied if you don't mind uh, talking about uh, if you yeah tell us what you studied
2: so I actually studied sport science um the reason I studied that was because I didn't think I was particularly academic like I didn't really have any real interest in academia even though I was quite good at it um I was really good at sport and I realized that Brunel and actually Loughborough as well were like two of the top places to go for sport um I knew I wasn't going to get the grades for the first, so I ended up at Brunel. Um, and the main reason I went to Brunel was because they had really good netball facilities. Um, I I thought I was quite good at netball, and um, that's where they do their Super League netball. So I went there primarily to play netball, which sounds really bad. Um, but um, yeah, I did. I did my course. Um, I went there with the intention of becoming a PE teacher, and then soon realised like about a year into my course that I did not want to do that. Um, I actually got offered a job back at my old secondary school to be a PE technician, which I turned down because I really wanted to explore the world. Like I said, um, I wanted to see what else was out there. Um, So although I didn't really know what I wanted to do post uni, I just knew I wanted to find something new. So yeah, I ended up with a sports science degree and no clue what to do next. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's 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 really really interesting again how our stories are quite quite similar um in a sense that actually my firm choice was Loughborough and my second choice was Bruno. so Liz we could have met each other years ago <laughs> yeah we for, could have for, yeah that would have been interesting so um for the listeners I actually know Lizzie outside of World Finance um we actually worked for the same global asset manager though in totally different departments um, but yeah, I didn't think I was actually going to get the grades to get to for myself. Um, and actually I didn't. I was one mark away or one grade away. And some way, somehow they still allowed me into the university. And that's why even going there, I hadn't done my accommodation. I haven't done anything. So it was a brand new experience for me altogether.
0: That's bad. Um, and uh, you said that you both, um, wh- you met uh, Lizzie through uh, working in the same field. And of course, Lizzie, you said you study sports science, which of course yeah. has, uh, at the moment, is not um, nothing to do with what you currently uh, do. So I'd be really interested to talk a bit about how that transition was made. But probably more importantly, you said you went to do netball. How did that turn out? You said you thought you was good, actually. Um, what, was, <laughs> what was reality like?
2: So, you know the expression, like, big fish in a small pond? So, back in Brixton, I was an <laughs> Apple star, like, I thought I was amazing, like, I played at county level, I played for Surrey, etc. I then went to uni, and I was like, wow, all these people are much taller than me, much fitter than me, and much better than me. So, I ended up in the fourth team, which I was like, what is this, like, but I did enjoy it, there was a lot of training, like, I think that actually kept me on track, because we had to train like four days a week at like mm. 6 a.m. in the morning. Like even the day after like Wednesday night, which everybody knows is a student night. Like it actually kept me focused because mm. I had to train. Um, so I was grateful for that in the end. Um, yeah.
0: I, I feel that's that's that that's big. Uh, you obviously, you wasn't the the netball star, but the the sounds like you gained a lot of um, <laughs> skills development in um, sort of discipline and keeping fit and yeah. healthy and focused as well, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Awesome. Uh, no we way we was all like that once. Uh, Jacks. It might be hard to believe, but at one point, Jacks did want to become a footballer. <laughs> Listen, it's really funny, right, these um, stories about being
1: a sports star. You know, like, for example, when I was in primary school, I was basically the best footballer or one of the best
0: I bet anyone that's listening now that went to his primary school is throwing (laughs) whatever they've got listening to this.
1: (laughs) I'm serious. I was like the the school captain everything. And then going into, obviously, um, secondary school where, where I met Peter and then obviously still getting into the football team then but still just being one of the, just one of the many players. And then I'm, imagine going to Loughborough, you're talking about Brunel. I think Loughborough and Bruneau oh, God, are no. Loughborough. Of competition. It's so difficult. Absolutely. Competition is fierce it's, and it's, they take it so seriously. But as you said, the, the discipline that you pick up from, you know, waking up and, and training even before lectures and that kind of stuff is also something you can
0: take into your everyday life. Mm. Uh, it keeps you focused absolutely Absolutely. i I can imagine that has taken you uh, when you finish uni or on the way to finishing uni all of that has taken you forward to the next step so let's actually dig into a bit more that you've done sports science you've done your netball you've enjoyed life made good friendships uh, through uni etc and what next what happened next in terms when you think of your journey to where you are today
2: So I graduated and I was like, Yay! I've I've got a degree, you know, like first in my family. This is really cool. And then the reality hit me and I was like, Okay, now what? I have to make a decision as an adult as to, you know, what kind of career I want. Um, At the time, I wasn't thinking about doing any sort of grad schemes because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, let me take a break. Let me go, you know, just get any job until I like sit down and think about what I want to do with my life. So, Sydney Me got a job in in Brixton. And when I tell you that was the absolute ghetto, like it was honestly terrific. <laughs> I don't even know why I stayed there that long. I was there for like two and a half years. Um, what, and I what did was start. You doing there, I was doing retail, like okay, it was yeah. just awful.
0: Mm-hmm. Both
2: the staff and the customers, it was awful. But mm-hmm. um, in the end, I ended up getting a grad job. Um, it was aimed at sports science graduates or like any kind of medical student. Um, It was working in an office in Croydon, Um, I was doing injury rehab work, so like working with people that were injured, arranging like their physio, osteo, etc. I did that for a couple of years, um, but while I was there, although I did enjoy it, I realised that there was no like progression from there, so like there was nowhere for you to go, it was quite low paid, Um, and actually... I ended up getting inspiration from going on holiday. So one of my friends, um, she went to uni with me. She managed to get a job in Dubai um, at that time. So this was like 2014. um, I didn't even know where Dubai was or what it was. I was just like, (laughs) okay, I'll come visit you. Um, So I landed here. And when I tell you, my mind was blown. How is this girl? like? just like me from the same background as me like working here living her best life she was living in like some penthouse and like views of Dubai Marina like it was beautiful and I was just so amazed by what she'd achieved and how she got there and I spent that whole holiday thinking I want to live like this um so when I came home I was like no I need I need to change my job like I want to live this lifestyle I don't know what I want to do but I know not want to live like this. So I spent a few months applying for jobs, like just trying to get out of what I was doing in general. Um, I ended up getting a job in the city. Like all I knew is that I wanted to work in the city in London. So I got a job in the city doing admin for NHS. Um, two months later, I then changed jobs again. And I ended up at a digital consultancy. Um, so I didn't know that I was going to be interested in tech. I just wanted to do anything and try anything new. Um, and when I got there, I actually realized that I really enjoyed it. So um, on the like, first or second day, they sent me to a client. And the client happened to be the investment management company that I'm at now. Um, so okay. I ended up in the corporate world. So Yeah, it was my first proper city this, this, job. This,
1: this, this is an interesting story. I think, you know, it's very brave. Um, I don't know about you But personally When I finished university You know, when I graduated um, Again, similar to you First person in the family To go to university, etc I was very desperate To get onto some sort of graduate scheme So it was interesting how Your story was a bit different Where you was a bit more composed um, To say, you know what I just want to take my time And actually figure out What I wanted to do Where for me I just said, you know what Anything that's Anyhow economics based (laughs) i have got to do it, I'm going to apply for every uh, uh, job that has the term finance in it and that kind of stuff so that's, that was very very brave and your journey your journey seems very interesting so I guess the reason why you're in Dubai now is to kind of you know reminisce on, on the thing that changed your mind
2: <laughs> Honestly like this is the third time that I'm here and each time wow. I come back like I've changed so much like the things that I want out of life like the things that I'm able yeah. to do like the first time I went I like I couldn't afford to do anything. Like I think I did like one desert safari, and that was about it. But now I'm like mm-hmm. living the life.
1: Well, P- Peter, I'm not sure if you've been to Dubai before. I think we need to book book a trip together. Um, Maybe Christmas. that
0: could be my Christmas present that you're supposed to be giving me. Ah, get
2: out of wow. here. Wow. <laughs> That's a nice
0: present. <laughs> but, hey, I, I look forward to it. Thanks uh, Lizzie, for his, uh, giving Jack's inspiration for a present. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> um, Lizzy, so you, you said you've you know, you, you found yourself in tech, you've, you've enjoyed it. What is it in particular that you feel that you like about, you know, what you've, what you've been doing over the past few years? So I really enjoy
2: digital transformation. So um, although I went to the asset management company first, that wasn't the only project that I did at the time. Um, I've worked for about 10 different companies of clients, etc., doing doing of different projects. So mainly like changing the way that services are run. So it could be going from, you know, like a paper-based form for a process, for applying for a license for something, for example, to changing it to make it an online service, Or to improve an existing website or something like that, and I find it really interesting. And just knowing that you know you're helping people in their everyday lives, like you know you you've always like come across something that you found quite frustrating. Like I don't know, applying for a license, for example, it could be really long and irritating and then you know the next time you have to do it it's actually really quick because they've gone to an online service or like some sort of website and i really like seeing the difference that you can make for a company and just transforming the way that they do business and and the customer satisfaction that comes from that
0: and um so you know when we're walking through your i guess your your career you've been doing these uh number of uh, roles and where you've ended up today do you want to talk to us a bit more and feel free to talk a bit more however you're comfortable with in terms of your job title what you do your responsibilities um yeah if you don't mind
2: sure so um yeah so like I said the asset management company was my first client um I was only there on a six-month contract initially so yes i did quit my permanent job um in the NHS doing admin for a six-month contract but I honestly wanted to take that risk just to see if it would pay off and luckily it did um my first project was to um, help with the website, so they were moving um, to a new uh, content management system, which is you know what you use to maintain the website so I was doing really, really basic admin work, um, but actually I really enjoyed it, and I think I found that I was quite good at it. so when that project came to an end, the consultancy sent me elsewhere to another client so I ended up doing like bits of different things. I was working with UX, I was doing like content design. So anything to do with digital or tech, I kind of just wanted to get involved in because I found it all really fascinating. Um, I was one of the youngest in my consultancy as well and probably like the only female as well. So at times I find that quite challenging, but I also like found it interesting in that because I stood out, I think people were willing to help and invest in me and I made the most of it by just trying to get to know as many people as possible and to get people to help me to grow as a person so I spent a few years at that consultancy they sent me to loads of different places I was working at the home office I was I was sent to Leeds like I was in and out of, of London in, and I was working in many different areas and I really enjoyed it um and then eventually that came to an end and the investment management company that I did work for initially actually asked me to come back because they had a vacancy and I didn't hesitate to take that opportunity because although contracting I found fun, um, I wanted something more stable long-term and I wanted to work for a company that would invest in me and that I could grow in. So yeah, it eventually settled that's, and became permanent.
1: That's really interesting because I think I remember seeing you around the canteen area um, and I thought you was part of the investment 2020 scheme because, yeah, yeah all of a sudden you disappeared. And then yeah. a few years later, you're back again. And I said, maybe she got given a graduate job then, <laughs> you know? That's really interesting. You yeah. know, you're obviously, a, a, me knowing you personally now to actually know the actual story. Um, we'll talk a bit about contractive versus permanent. Actually, let's move on to that. Do you think there are pros and cons of both? um and do you want to talk a bit about the pros of, of contracting we enjoyed about it compared to going permanent now
2: sure so obviously a lot of people know that contracting there's a lot of money in it um especially when you are con- contracting tech um you can earn a lot of money very quickly and if you are tax efficient you can earn even more money um i enjoyed that side of it but lizzie what's your
0: def when you say earn more for nissas that have no idea about this what are we talking about when we say we can earn certain amount of money
2: so when you're a contractor you're not paid a yearly salary you're actually often paid a day rate um that could be anything really like in tech if you're a junior it could be anything from 300 pounds a day to if you're working at senior level, it could be up to a grand a day. So there are a lot of contractors that are very well paid, (laughs) especially in technology. And you know, if you work in finance as well, you've kind of hit the jackpot. So yeah, a lot of people enjoy contracting. Like I have a lot of friends that contract and they would never go back to permanent job. Um, At the same time, Mm -hmm. I've got friends that contracted and then switched to perm and they've managed to negotiate a good salary to almost match that. So you know, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I chose to move from contracting back to planet life for various reasons, which I can obviously go into if anyone wants talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, again, our stories are quite similar. Um, working for the same company, I actually started off as a contractor myself. And I was there for several years. And obviously now I've, I'm, I'm in a different company on a permanent role. And, you know, as a permanent staff right now, you kind of do miss some of the Pros of, of being a contractor, but on the flip side, you know there are much you know more um, attractive benefits of being a perm. For example, if I don't know, you might talk about this, but if you're looking to buy a property, for example, it's usually easier when you're a full time staff. So let's get into that. You know what are some of the pros of being a perm, and on your personal journey, why did you decide to go permanent?
2: So I decided to go permanent because at the time that I was contracting, I was contracting as a junior. And um, I think it's quite hard to grow when you're contracting because, you know, you're brought in to do a certain job. Like nobody wants to invest in you. Nobody wants you to have to learn new things. They just want you to do a good job and leave because that's what you're paid to do as a contractor. And at the age that I was, I felt like I needed to work for a company that would be patient and invest in me. Um, I also wanted to learn new things and take um, new courses. So I, I wanted to join a company that had a very, very good training budget that would allow me to take exams and to, you know, get promoted and move up through the ranks and become like more senior. And um, then the goal eventually would be if I wanted to, I could then return to contracting and I could be making grand a day if I really wanted to. Um, that was kind of the way that I saw things. Um, now that I've settled into a perm role, um, I'm very, very lucky that I work for a very good company. And actually, in terms of salary, like I'm almost matching my contracting day rate anyway. So I don't really feel the need to return to it as of yet. Um, I've also seen how tough it has been in 2020 for contractors. Um, a lot of people have lost their jobs and obviously you've got IR35 that's coming into force as well um, yeah. as of next year. So it is a bit of an uh, you know a rocky period for contractors at the moment so I think I'm gonna wait and see how it pans out um, at the moment I really love my job and I've grown so much like I've changed roles three times in the last like two years so as long as I can keep growing um, I'm quite happy to stay permanent for now.
1: That's, that's, the, that's the main aim. Um, first and foremost I would like to say Liz that um, my birthday is July the 8th and Christmas is around the corner so if you're making <laughs> money um I, I, we haven't spoken in quite a while um so, you know we need to <laughs> start speaking again um and yeah you know birthday presents and christmas presents are very very well
0: welcomed oh my God. Um, and on that, on that Lizzie, <laughs> um i guess on, obviously i've just started to get to um know you my birthday's in january but we can talk about january 2022 <laughs>
2: <laughs> guys i've got a house le- to buy next month know? is a bit I'm too poor. bad
1: <laughs> what's that you've got a house to buy whoop-dee-dee-doo it's fine
2: <laughs> <laughs> still
1: get us Fire our piece. gifts
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man oh, um, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry I uh, jump in very quickly go on yeah um, so RR35 just for our listeners mm. in case they don't know what it is it's kind of a it's a scheme that's been around for a while and essentially as Lizzie was saying you know um, as a contractor generally your ultimate goal is to go into um, um, a place either on a project usually on a project um, and just come and do a job basically and go home and you're paid either a daily rate or sometimes um, even an hourly rate and so on and so forth um but rr35 what is really done and what really happens and actually i probably might have been guilty of this myself is when you're working for a company as a contractor but however there's no real difference between you and the guys that are permanent staff you're basically doing the same job rr35 comes to really distort that and for that reason many many uh, people are kind of being moved away from being a contractor and even the way they get paid and how they set up tax efficient types of accounts is all being a bit distorted so i do think it is becoming much much more difficult to be um to be making a lot of money as a contractor in a very tax efficient way for one and secondly as listed as well you know um when the tough gets going um for companies you're usually the first ones to go so it is a a risky type of role and you know, I do agree with Liz that there's some people that I know personally that particularly just want to contract for the rest of their life and they're very happy to even work maybe six months a year and take the rest of the six months off. I don't think that's the worst thing. I think it just depends on what you're trying
0: to achieve and how you set up your personal finances, etc. Thanks, Jacks. Really useful information for current and uh, potential uh, contractors. Really useful. Thanks for that. Um Lizzie, you've of course had a, a, a number of uh, different roles um, Working your way up the uh, so-called corporate ladder um, You of course are uh, a woman um, from Brixton Big up to Brixton uh, now Obviously <laughs> it's had its past But um, it's been, you know, gone through a process Just like when myself and Jet grew up as well So, um, yeah. And you're of course a black woman as well It'll be good to hear more about your I wouldn't say experience, but I guess if you were speaking to a, a young black uh, person or woman uh, right now, having that thought process in mind, can you talk to us a bit more how it's been for you working your way up and maybe some of the things you feel you specifically need to do to, I guess, get you where you are today?
2: So in, when I first started in the corporate world, I'm not going to lie, I was like... I felt so out of place, like not only because I was a black woman. I just think it was for me, it was more of a class thing. Um, When I first started there, it was in 2014. And there were it was it was mostly like, you know, white, private school, private educated old white men or you know young private school boys and girls and I didn't feel like I could relate to them at all and in fact I think I even hated it at that point because I had no one I could talk to no one really understood me so at that point I literally felt like a contractor I came in I did my job and I went home um but then as I grew I realized how good of a place it could be to work um if I really took the time to you know learn about it and find my people so what I actually did was I made it my mission to find my people so I'm not just talking about you know finding the black people in the company although that obviously was a great benefit to me it was just finding people that you know I had things in common with and that I could sound off to I could vent to I could talk to so you know Jacks mentioned that he thought I was part of Investment 2020 um, that is a cohort of trainees um, I was actually a lot older than them but you know everyone seemed to think I was really young at that company so they ended up talking to me and then we actually ended up becoming quite good friends so like I used to hang around with the trainees in the workplace and um, it was nice seeing people because investment 2020 is actually aimed at school leavers so you know it's not grads that you know got a first class degree at Russell Group University it's just everyday people um, and so you get to meet like kind of people from different backgrounds and that's where I felt like I fitted in at the time As I got older, I tried to seek out like networks of other people. So you know, we've got a black professional network at work, um, and that's where I really found my friends, and that's where I really started enjoying my job because it's like day to day. You know, I still worked with the same people, but I also had people that I could relate to if I really needed to speak to them. And I think it's really important when you do work in in a company where you don't feel like you know you fit in to go out of your way to find your space and that's what i prioritize
1: doing. I think that's a a very um, interesting point you make and even on a personal level, um, and I'm sure other people can probably uh, relate to it as well, but I struggled with, um, I think the term is called imposter syndrome, Um, and that's something that has been the case especially for us people that work in certain industries, especially in the investment management industry. it's, it is something that's pretty difficult. I remember the first time I started working, I worked for a company, a small boutique investment management company and of about 50 people. And I was the only Black person in the company. Um, and this is something I've been, I've been facing since I went to Loughborough, as I said earlier. You know, even coming across people that looked like me, as Lizzie said, they still had a different class to me. You know? It was the first time I had met even Black people um, that had went to private school. You know, growing up, I didn't know anybody that went to private school or anything like that. So that was, that was very difficult. So I guess my question, um, Liz, is do you still go through periods where you feel like you're an imposter, maybe? Um, do you ever sit in meetings and think, oh my gosh, these lots speak or look a bit differently for me? Um, how do I feel comfortable in this environment?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was really bad at first um, when I first started in the company, because obviously, I i mean, I'm working for a finance company. I had zero finance background. I didn't even know what investment fund was when I first started. Um, so I struggled for a long time in feeling like I didn't belong there. Um, even though like my managers and my team are all really encouraging, they all really love me and they all think I was really good at my job. I still felt like, you know, I don't have an economics background. I didn't do CFA. I don't know why I'm here and it took a long time for me to realize that actually like for my job it's not that important I'm here to do a tech role and I'm very good at what I do um but even so like even this year I tried to study my way out of imposter syndrome like I studied CFA investment management um and I just got the certificate I studied loads of tech courses like I've got more certificates and I thought if I did that I would finally feel like I belong and I don't even know if that helped, but what did help was getting some mentors. So I'm currently being mentored by the CIO of the company. Um, I'm also being mentored by the global head of HR. And even they have both sat down and said to me, like, look, we all suffer from imposter syndrome, like you're not gonna be the only person, and it's not something that will go away. You just have to keep reminding yourself that you do deserve to be here and remind yourself of your achievements, etc.
1: Do you know what? Like You know, it's it's interesting you've mentioned You know, being in a finance company And not having a background That can cause you to have that imposter syndrome But for me I had all the qualifications, you know, uh, I, on paper, I was just as good as anybody else. But even then, I still yeah. struggled with, you know, trying to find people that that sounded like me, that understood my background and that kind of stuff. And actually, one of my biggest yeah. regrets, I've actually told Peter about this before, is growing up, even as an individual, I didn't have any mentors. So a lot of my life was freestyling. And I thank God that obviously, you know, I still ended up in a decent place. But for any of our young listeners listening, I think finding mentors. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if you know about this, um, Liz, there's different terms for it. There's like sponsors and there's like, I don't know what the other yeah. term is, but it's very important, especially when you start off your, your career, um, especially in a corporate world, getting yourself a mentor. And actually, even now um, that I still feel a bit more established in my role, I still feel like I need a mentor. And I'm actually on an um, intentional journey to find a mentor in my workplace and outside of work as well.
2: I agree I've got about five or six different mentors um, some of them were quite informal they were literally just friends that I admired and I literally was just like can you mentor me um, I also applied for mentors in three different schemes um, one was outside of my company and um, just aimed at women in finance and so I've got a mentor that works for a different investment management company and um, I've also got two mentors at work um, one was actually through an ethnic minority scheme and one was through I think it was social mobility Um, but I do think it's really really important to have different mentors from different walks of life and having one just isn't enough like you need to have varying mm. levels of opinions and people in different professions people like like you said sponsors are also really important because those are the people that could actually make moves for you mm-hmm. and that can help you through your career like there are people that you know can just give you advice but the ones that actually make the moves for you especially when you get to a certain level like I'm quite seeing it now so if I do want to make any moves or you know transition out of my industry i need people that can actually make that happen for me so i think as you get like more and more senior in your career i think having a sponsor is actually more effective than having a mentor because i feel like your peers could be your mentors that are at the same level yeah. as you yeah i mean
1: yeah I, I totally agree and you know i'm gonna follow the question to you you've you mentioned that obviously now you're in a more senior role um you know are you a mentor to someone else i hope so yeah.
2: <laughs> I am so I do mentor a young girl that works in big four um she's very very new to her career but I, so she came up to me and this is where imposter syndrome kicks in because so when she asked me to mentor her I was like what me are you crazy like i'm looking at you like you're doing bits and you want me to mentor you but um no she's actually really lovely and i'm trying my hardest to like you know give her advice etc and guide her um i have also tried to get involved with mentoring secondary school kids because I think that's something that's quite important to me. Like, you know, I went to a secondary school in Brixton. There was absolutely mm-hmm. nobody that looked like me that worked in the city that would even mm-hmm. spend an hour of their time coming to our school to talk about what they do. And I think that would have been really beneficial for us um back in that time. I don't know if they do it now, um, but I would like to start, you know, going to schools just so that they can see that there are people like them that came from the ends that, you know that lived the life that they did and that mm-hmm. have actually made it in the city because I don't want them to know have no inspiration like, I want them to have better than what I had when I was growing up
1: yeah well here I will find a big part of our role um, and what we're actually trying to achieve is to go to secondary schools and to speak to people that look like us and try to inspire them especially because we've lived that life before we actually understand and you know i talk a lot about personal finance and i say i say to peter all the time you know when we were younger um even though i was quite sensible when i was young um if someone like martin lewis which i look up to i look up to him now if he came to my school to try to talk to me about personal finance he would only get maybe 20 percent of my attention right but if someone if if older jacks was to come back and, and speak to me on personal finance and he can relate to me and actually talk to me and actually understand what i'm going through he would get more than 50% 50% of my attention at least so what well, I know where I'm going to send a few of the young people um when they want mentorship I'll be like I've got a friend called Lizzie she's more than <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I was just Aww. about to comment on that. actually um Lizzie would be great to so we deliver um, various programs we've done a couple this year virtually of course it'll be great to get you involved from a mentoring perspective um, in the future as well that would be great. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, we've mentioned uh, some of the stuff that you're doing now um, from a, a senior perspective. It would be good to take a bit more of a deep dive into that. But before I do that, actually, you obviously mentioned that, you know, when you first started this particular part of your career journey, you didn't you have a background in, in finances or anything of the sort. It would be good to actually understand what you've actually had to do to get on board for people that are thinking about, transitioning into this field they might just be looking for a career change i'm thinking there's no way they can do, be doing something similar to what you're doing um what is it that i guess you you've you've had to do to actually get where you are now in terms of um, from a finance background perspective
1: so